Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, July 24th, 2023. I'm Micah Chopoli. All right. How's everyone doing? Everyone have a good weekend? I hope so. You know, we're almost through the month of July. In case you didn't know that the 24th means we're about a week away from August, I'm here to tell you. That's exactly what it means. It's amazing. So I'm hoping you're enjoying these weekends because, believe it, in a blink of an eye, the summer is going to be done. In the blink of an eye, the summer is going to be over with. So I hope everyone's having fun enjoying their summer weekends. I guess a lot of people, July and August, a lot of people go away, right? These are two big holiday months. People go on long vacations. They go to, I know someone's going on a cruise for two weeks. People go to Europe. Have you heard about that new thing starting next year where you have to get a visa to go to Europe? I don't really understand that too much. But evidently it's going to be like not a real visa. You have to go online, fill out a form. But why are they making it? After COVID, and after losing travel for like two years, why are they making it more difficult to travel? I don't get it. I don't get it. I, you know, I'm, I'm of the mindset, just like I was during COVID, if you're going to make it difficult for me to go to your restaurant or to your bar or to your country, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I'm not going to give you my money. What's with this incredible arrogance of these people thinking, well, you're going to make me go through hoops to spend my money in your country. And I'm going to do it? No. If it's too difficult, if it's too arduous for me to go to your country, I'll stay in my own or I'll go to another country that makes it easy for me to go there. So I don't know what's going on with the visa process in Europe starting next year, but I hope they drop it because I don't think it's a good idea. Especially after all the tourism they lost during the COVID years. You think they want to make it easier for people to get into the country and spend their money, not, not, not more difficult. But they're making it more difficult. They really are. And I think there's an arrogance there, like, well, people are going to come no matter what, right? People are going to go through hoops because they just, they have to go to Paris. They have to go to London. They have to go to Germany. Well, I don't have to. I've been to Paris, London, and Italy. I've been to I've been to France, England, and and Italy, and Spain, Spain, right? Yes, those are the basically the four countries I've been to in Europe, and uh, you know, but just over you know how many years? I'm fifty two, so I don't go very often, and I really don't have to go at all. I really don't. I don't have to decide this this burning need to go to Europe and spend my money there. It's also so expensive, you know. I've looked at, like, Central America. I've looked at, like, you know, Colombia and, and Costa Rica and places like that. And literally, the American dollar, I checked out Colombia. The American, it's probably similar in Costa Rica. The American dollar is basically three to four times more. It's worth three to four times more there. In other words, an Uber ride that's 25 bucks in this country is like seven bucks in Colombia or a hotel that's $150 in this country is $40 
U.S. there. So everything goes further. Your money goes further. Why go to Europe where it's actually the opposite, right? I mean, at one point, London was like half. You lose half your money. You go there with 100 U.S., you get 50 pounds. Imagine that. It's gotten a little bit better, but not that much. And on top of that, on top of losing like half of your money, things are so damn expensive. So think about that. You go there with 100 bucks. 50, you lose 50 off the bat. You get 50 pounds. And then a sandwich is 12 pounds. So that means a sandwich is like 25, right, U.S.? It's insane. I don't get it. I really don't. Why anyone want to go to countries where you lose your money, where you can go to some countries that are really, they want American tourism. You know, they're, they're asking for American tourism. They appreciate it when you go there and your money goes so much further. So I'm definitely looking at, at Colombia at some point. And if anyone knows about Colombia now, I'm not talking about 20, 30 years ago. Now, definitely let me know about it because I've been uh, I've been thinking about going on a nice long trip. And hey, if it's if it's Trump versus Biden, I might stay there. I might stay in Colombia if it's Trump versus Biden. It won't be, but you never know, right? We'll talk about that race heating up. We're 30 days out now, less than 30 days out from the first Republican debate, August 23rd on Fox, the first Republican debate. Hope everyone's going to be watching. So we can talk about it here after. We're going to have a quiz after. So definitely make sure you watch it. Uh, and I'll know whether you really watched it or not. Okay. No Cliff Notes versions. Who cares? These, these, these debates are so short anyway. You're going to have, what, five, six, seven candidates? How long is the debate going to be? 90 minutes? Two hours tops? These things need to be longer, really. I can see it being 90 minutes, two hours if there are two candidates. But not for five or six or seven. We saw that... Last time, right, with the Democratic primaries, where they each got like 20 seconds to talk about something. It's, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is basically cliff notes. There's no, no real discussion. So, but I guess it's better than nothing. So we'll see if, what, what, what are the odds? Is there an odd? Can you bet on if Trump's going to participate or not? Are there odds on that? Are they taking odds? Because I would bet that he will. Even though he's still saying he's not, I would bet a lot of money that he will be on that stage. There's no way he's going to allow a Fox <laughs> debate watched by that Fox audience, which is pretty Trump favorable, and not be there. I, I don't see any chance of that happening. So we'll see about that. But I would doubt it very much. Um, what's this big thing about Twitter and X? So Twitter is now X. And people are going apoplectic about it. I got to have my bird. They got to have a bird. Why do they have to have a bird for it? Is that a big deal? Look, it's always going to... I hear people saying silly things now that he's changing it to X. It's not going to be called tweeting anymore. It's going to be called Xing. Of course it's going to be called tweeting. Look, Zuckerberg changed Facebook to Meta. We still call it Facebook. Remember people went, oh, nervous. They were so nervous. Oh, oh. oh the liberal media... They weren't that concerned. They didn't, in other words, they didn't go after Zuckerberg personally for changing Facebook to Meta. But the liberal media, of course, with their double standards, because they don't like Musk because he's for free speech and Zuckerberg's not, so they love Zuckerberg. But because Musk is for free speech and he bought Twitter and the Twitter files, the liberal media is going after him as being crazy for, for changing Twitter to X when Facebook going to Meta was meh, who cares really, right? 
more of their their double standards are like everything. It's like they if 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 Elon Musk said he liked eggs, they would say something's wrong with eggs, right? Where if uh you know if Zuckerberg said it's okay to kill cows, they'd say, oh, it's okay to kill cows. I mean, the double standards of like the smallest thing to the largest thing. But you can see it even with this and changing the names from like Facebook to Meta, Twitter to X. It was it was a small passing story when Zuckerberg did that. But now with Musk, oh, he's nuts. He's ruining it. He's ruining it. They say this company's collapsing. They didn't say Facebook was collapsing when, when Zuckerberg changed it to Meta, when he rebranded it. But of course, Twitter's collapsing because they hate Elon Musk. And he now let me see if people can understand this. I'm no tech genius. I'm no billionaire. Wouldn't be doing this if I were a billionaire. But Musk's idea goes beyond social media, right? So what Musk wants to do with this X thing, everything he does is X, right? He loves X. Hey, the guy's obsessed with the letter X. So what? Uh, People are obsessed with worse things than a letter. So he space X, this X, his son is X. I don't know, whatever. So but what he wants to do is he wants to do this all in one app kind of a thing or where x will do everything for you in the future banking so it's going to go he wants it to go further than twitter so i think people are saying well okay he didn't buy twitter to make it about free speech he bought twitter because he wanted to do this x thing okay and he wants the biggest platform possible he has 200 million people on twitter in order to start this x brand going well okay but both can be accurate at the same time he could take over twitter because he wants it to be more of an open free speech public space platform and he wants to go further with x and he wants to use twitter to help him do that what's wrong with that why can't this guy do two or three things at the same time he spent 45 billion you would think he'd want to get as much out of it right as possible so the x thing is a branding it's not like he didn't like the name twitter or doesn't like the bird as anything against birds he wants to go further. He wants to brand this into something larger using Twitter as a springboard, a 200 million person springboard. OK, so that's what I'm understanding the X thing is. But just like people still call it Facebook, people are still going to call it Twitter and they're still going to call it a tweet. OK, it's the same thing. He's just changing the name. Who cares? And now I look on my app and it still says Twitter. But I just turned on Twitter for the first time today on my laptop, and there's an X. Do you have an X in the upper left-hand corner now? There's no bird. There's an X. On my laptop, there's an X. No bird. The bird's gone, and the X is there. So whatever. Who cares? The guy owns it. He spent the money on it. Not you. Not me. He can do what he wants, okay? I like what he's done so far, right? I'm telling you, I know, because I was – I got like about – four suspensions before he bought Twitter. And I've been saying things that would definitely get me suspended before he bought Twitter. And I'm not getting suspended anymore. I'm not even getting like um, warnings. So it's definitely different. There's no doubt about it. Take it from me. Okay. I was suspended before. I haven't been suspended since. Now I know some people, maybe one of them is listening right now who continues to get these suspensions, but I think the problem is, There were so many flags put on our profiles before, and it's going to take them a long time. And you have to, I think, constantly tell them, look, I just I'm not going to do this because I think it's cheesy. Now, watch me do it. No, I won't do it unless I get really desperate. 
people are monetizing their Twitter profiles, right? Where you can like subscribe. What does that mean? What am I going to, what kind of special content am I going to do? Am I going to do like me doing something I shouldn't be doing? <laughs> to get, what, what special content can I, does anyone subscribe to people? What special content can you do through Twitter? What's a special tweet that no one else gets? I don't get it. Why would someone pay for that? But anyway, I just looked into it because I'm on, I have Twitter blue. So I looked into monetizing <laughs> and I get to the, place where it says apply okay and it says okay you don't qualify and you know what the one qualification was you have to be 18 well i guess because i'm not i'm 52 but they think i'm under 18 so there's something you see there's something in the system that's not right it says i'm not 18 but i am so all you have to do is tell them these things so i think you need to like tell them when things go wrong like you get a suspension for something that you shouldn't be suspended for it might still be an algorithm that's in there that they have to get rid of so i simply sent them a message and said you know what it says i i don't qualify for monetization because i'm not 18 yet well i'm 52 so i'm sure they'll take care of that but there are little bugs in the system that are still there probably from the previous people and they just have to you know work it out but i think look overall it's just, it's the same Twitter. It's Twitter. It's just called X now. He likes X. He's obsessed with it. That's his thing. And now there's a big X on the building here. I mean, I live like I'm a 10 minute walk away from the face, the, sorry, the Twitter or the X, whatever you call it, headquarters here. And now the Twitter was being taken down. And I understand they were out there taking Twitter down. They were taking the sign down and the police actually stopped as though they thought it was vandals which I don't really get. I mean, the guys had the crane. It looked like a professional job, but the police didn't know what was going on. They were wondering why these people were taking down the Twitter sign. So it's his thing. I understand people like, oh, but Twitter, Twitter, we all know the name is a brand. But the same goes for Facebook. Facebook was around long before Twitter. It has more users than Twitter. And Zuckerberg changed the company to Meta. And that's what uh, Elon Musk is doing. He's changing the company to X. If you go to the old Facebook headquarters, it says Meta. It doesn't say they, so they took Facebook down. So that's what Musk is doing. He's taking Twitter down. He's changing the company to X. Let him have – who cares, right? But some people are like apoplectic. I'm not going to go on anymore. Why? Why wouldn't you go on anymore? Because the guy changed it to X. So if this was the platform, let's say it had always been called X. You wouldn't be on it now? You wouldn't have joined 10 years ago if it was called X and not Twitter. It's the exact same thing. People tweet. It's the exact same platform, the exact same interface. Nothing's changed. People sometimes are so stupid. They really are. People bug me. They really do. People are bugging me more than I am. I have no patience anymore. Not that I ever had patience, but I have zero patience for dumb people anymore. I just can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take these these. The, these cults around me, they're all around me, whether it's the cult of Democrat, the cult of COVID, the cult of Biden, the cult of Trump. I can't stand these fucking cults anymore. I really can't. I wish I think we should go to the parliamentary system so we can't have this cult of personality. You don't see the cult of personality in a parliamentary system, right? I, I, I Not that I know of. I don't think you have people walking around with like Trudeau hats and shirts with his face on it. I don't think you have like Macron like uh, book bags. I, I, I'm sure you don't, 
But here, there's this cult of personality, which is fucking ridiculous. And people just can't seem fact. And both sides are equally responsible for this. You hear people who are Democrats complaining about Trumpers being cultists, not realizing that they are too. And then you have Trumpers, you know, complaining about the cult of Biden when they're cultists as well. They can't seem to see it. They're all cultists. They all are. So you're talking about Trump and these cultists who truly believe in their in their warped mind that the primary is already over a month before the first of 12 debates, a month before the first of 12 debates. They think the primary is over when the voting doesn't start until what? Mid to late January. The, the voting doesn't start until the dead of winter. And they think the primary is over. Why? Because their cult leader tells them it's over. Now, someone put up, I knew this was the case, but someone put up a screenshot of seven years, eight years ago today, eight years ago this month, right? So this was this time in 2015 when things were leading up to the 2016 election. First choice for GOP nominee, Bush, Jeb, 22%. Uh, you know who was second right behind him? Scott Walker. Who? Who's that? Scott Walker. Anyone remember a president? Scott Walker. Anyone remember a finalist for president? Scott Walker. Okay. 17%. Marco Rubio. Remember when he was going to be the next president? 14%. You know where the, the, uh, actual man who would be president was? 13th in the field at 1%. So Trump was at 1% as first choice for nominee. At the same time in 2015, did the Trumpers say it was over and that Bush was going to be the nominee? No, of course not, because it's uh, the summer before the election. This is ridiculous. We know this. But once again, here is a factual thing, which everyone knows is true if you follow elections. This is not the only election where this was true. It's almost every election where the summer before the year of the election, the front runner is not the person who ends up getting it. It almost never happens, right? Bush 22, Walker 17, Rubio 14, Trump 13th. Were there even 13 people running? He must have been last at 1%. And what happened? He became the president of the United States. Why? Because they started to have those debates, right? Think about this. So think about Trump. And where he is right now in his thinking. Now, I still think he'll be in that debate next month. But think of his thinking here. He was at 1% before the first debate in 2015. Then he dominated those debates. And what happened when he dominated those debates? He went from 1% to the winner, right? Well, he doesn't want DeSantis to be able to do the same thing. And he knows Ron is such a great debater that he can indeed do the same thing. And he has a hell of a lot more than 1%. In fact, DeSantis has a higher percentage of where Jeb Bush was in uh, in 2015. So that's Trump's thinking, is don't let DeSantis do what I did in 2015, which is dominate the debates and shoot to the top. So Trump is, um, yes, he's a chicken. He's a chicken. He always complains about Biden, Hyden, Hyden, Biden. How many times did he say that? Hyden, Biden in his basement. Hiding, hiding, and yet here he is hiding. But that's what cultists, they don't care. Cultists don't care about facts. They don't care about hypocrisy. When their cult leader does it, it's okay. When another cult leader does it, 
it's not okay. But when their cult leader does it, it's fine. Hiden Biden, bad. Hiden Trump, okay. No problem. Because it's strategy. It's strategy. So when Biden, uh, when they hide Biden because he's demented, that strategy is not okay. But when they hide Trump because he's afraid to debate, that's okay. So try to try to figure that out. Try to we're trying to work that out in your brain. See if that makes any sense, right? When they hide Biden, they're doing it for a reason. And they are because he's a demented and he can't debate. But it worked. Remember, during COVID, I believe one debate was canceled, right? Wasn't there just two? Because wasn't one canceled? And because uh, Trump had COVID, right? Something like that. So if I remember correctly. So but it was okay because the Democrats knew that that was their strategy. Hide the guy who can't debate. And it worked. But the Trumpers went crazy. Oh, it's so disgusting. How did they hide him? He's hiding. He's hiding. He's hiding. But now that they're now that Trump is hiding because he knows that's the best strategy. That's OK. That's all right. Look, the fact of the matter is Biden's wrong for not debating and Trump is wrong for not debating. But I still believe even though strategy wise, Trump might have a point. Right. If you're following the Biden strategy. Right. Meaning you could only hurt yourself by debating because the people who you're going to debate, namely Ron DeSantis, are going to kick your ass. OK, that's your strategy. But I think his ego is going to be way too his ego is way too strong to allow DeSantis and and uh, and uh, Christie and uh, Ramaswamy, the, the, the uh, car salesman Ramaswamy, to, to, to be on that debate stage. Now, Ramaswamy kisses his ass, licks his ass, so he doesn't worry about that. But Christie, especially, and even DeSantis, are going to go after him. You think he's going to be able to sit in his couch and watch that happen where he can't respond other than on true social? Not going to happen. So he's going to forfeit even his good strategy is probably his best political strategy. If, 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 and this is also a big if, the polls are correct, which you can look at 2015 and say the polls weren't correct, right? You could say a big part of that in 2015, part of it was Trump really dominated the debates, which helped him. But another part of it is you could say maybe the polls just weren't accurate. Maybe they were under polling the Trump support. Maybe they're over polling the Bush support. So Trump is counting on these polls being correct, which is kind of odd since he had 1% in 2015, ended up winning the nomination and uh, at this time in 2015. And the fact that Trumpers don't trust any of this, right? And that's the, the, the thing about the Trump cult, right? When it benefits them, they believe it. So the polls right now, if you believe them, are benefiting them. So the polls are accurate and fair, not rigged, right? <laughs> but the election results, because it didn't benefit them, are rigged. So that's another <laughs> little loophole, little, you know, a little issue there with consistency with Trumpers, which the polls are 100 percent accurate, totally believable. But the the actual polls, the, the voting polls, those are rigged. And it's all, it all comes down to what does it benefit? Look, if Trump had won the election, then it wasn't rigged, right? And if uh, DeSantis were ahead in the polls now, oh, my God, it's so rigged. How could you believe that? So these people really, you can't take them seriously because there's no consistency in thought, right? There's no consistency in thought. 
What is it? Is it all rigged or is it not rigged? Is it rigged for both sides or not? What is it? What, what's going on here? Well, my belief is that the polls aren't rigged. I don't think I, I can't. Let me let me backtrack on that a little bit. The I've said this before. Most of the left wing want Trump to win the the nomination, which is why they're doing all these things. Part of these Department of Justice, part of of these uh, impeachments is to embolden his support among Republicans because they believe he's the easiest candidate to beat in the general election. And they're right. He is the easiest by far, by far. Um, And so they want to embolden his support. The Democrats, the left, are doing whatever they can to stack the decks in his favor and it sounds crazy to people. They go, oh, come on, come on. Impeachments, I mean, uh, indictments are in his favor. Yeah, obviously, for the primary, every time he's indicted, he goes up in the polls. He makes more money. Every time he's indicted, people give more money to his defense fund. So the proof is in the pudding. Of course, the indictments help him in the primary, but not in the general election. When you look at the polls, every time he's indicted, Biden goes up by more and head to head matchup. So you know that because he loses independence with these indictments. So they know that. So they're doing all they can. A big part of this is where is the left wing media going after other than the indictments, which come every few months? Where is the left wing media going after Trump the way they used to in 2016 and 2020? You hardly ever see it. You hardly ever see Trump mentioned outside of indictments by the left wing media like you in 2020 it's not even close DeSantis is now the one they go after the way they used to go after Trump in 16 and 20 is how they're going after DeSantis now so this is what you need to do don't believe polls don't believe pundits believe actions why are they doing certain things why is a left-wing media and even the right-wing media in some aspects going after DeSantis and not Trump Trump is there. They have Trump derangement syndrome. He's their favorite punching bag because DeSantis is the real threat. You go after the real threat. Apply this to Donald Trump himself. If he were truly 30 points ahead of Ron DeSantis, if the, if the primary were over, as they say it is, why would he even mention DeSantis's name? It's over. In other words, let's say it was really over. He wouldn't talk about DeSantis anymore, right? If he had won the nomination, when he won the nomination in 2016, he didn't talk about Bush anymore. It's over. So why is he still talking about Ron DeSantis constantly? Why? Why does he talk about Ron DeSantis a lot more than Ron DeSantis talks about him? Because he knows these polls are not accurate. I'm sure there are internal polls, which say it's a lot closer. So that's why. See, you have to watch the actions of a person. Watch the actions of the media. Watch the actions of the candidates. Who are they talking about? Who are they obsessed with? Who are they going after? You don't go after someone who's not a threat. You don't go after a nobody. Who cares? You go after people you believe are threats. And the left wing, the Democrats, the media knows that DeSantis is the big threat, not Trump. And Trump knows that DeSantis is a very big threat. So just watch what happens. Don't look at polls. Don't listen to talking heads. Who are people going after? They go after who they're the most afraid of. They try to take down the people who are the biggest threats. And that's what's happening.
So that's how you know the state of affair, the election. And you'll see it as it plays on. Um, and I believe this is basically the way it's going to uh, remain, the way it's basically going to remain. Um, once again, I can go through a lot of facts about which candidate is better, who has a better chance of being elected, who would make the better president. But it doesn't really matter because, as I've said with cults, you can't really uh, – you can't talk to them really, right? You can't reason with a cult. You have to go through them. You have to destroy them, right? That's how you deal with any cult. You go through them. You destroy them. Uh, there might be a few people who on their own accord – Say, you know, I want to be, I want to be deprogrammed. I'm open to being deprogrammed. That's fine. That happens with cults all the time. But the majority are not going to want to be deprogrammed. They're going to go down with the cult. So you have to go through them. You have to destroy them. You have to annihilate them. That's the way you win, right? So our figuring is by doing some simple math is that the cult of Trump is about 25% of Republican voters. It's about a quarter. Of the, of the voting Republicans, right? That leaves 75% of Republicans who are not part of the cult. They might still like Trump, some of those people, but they're not in the cult of Trump. So they can be talked to and, and, and reasoned with. Then, of course, you have all the independents who are not part of the... There's very few independents who are in the cult of Trump. Usually they're registered Republicans. So you have all those people. That's in a whole other block of voters, a huge block of voters who are independent. So these are the people that Ron DeSantis need to talk to. Anyone who's not Trump need to talk to these people, right? They have talked to 75% of Republicans who are not in the cult of Trump and the independents. And some maybe Democrats or former Democrats like myself who are going to vote in a Republican primary maybe for the first time. There are also those people. Those people are really in these polls. They are only polling Republicans. In most of these polls, where Trump is ahead by 20, 30 points nationally, which national polls are shit anyway, they're only they're, – they're polling like 500 Republicans. That's it. They're not polling independents. They're not polling right-leaning independents. They're not voting independents like myself, registered independent who are going to vote in the Republican primary. They're not voting – they're not polling Democrats who are going to vote in the Republican primary this time. They're not going to do that. that. Those people are not accessible in these polls. So there are so many people of all these different political factions who are not being polled. And so all you're getting is that Republican voter uh, snapshot, right? So absolutely, Trump is probably going to dominate most of these polls because you're only getting Republicans and a quarter of them are Trump cultists that will never, never leave his side. But that doesn't it doesn't ac accurately reflect who's going to be out there in Iowa caucusing. It doesn't accurately reflect who's going to be out there in New Hampshire uh, voting. It's, it doesn't act. It doesn't reflect that. So I, the dynamic of this whole thing will change once the voting starts. I mean, the, the debates could change the dynamic just like they did in 2015, whether Trump participates or not. But you really see things changing once Iowa comes and DeSantis wins. So DeSantis wins Iowa. And then they'll say, well, Cruz won Iowa. And he did. And he did. But the momentum will change, right? Because the whole idea was that Trump has this thing. That wasn't the case in 2016. It wasn't like Cruz has got it won 
or Trump has got it won or Bush has got it won in January of 2016 before the first voting starts. But now that's the prevailing narrative, right? That Trump has got it won. So when he loses Iowa, it'll be more of a shock than when he lost it in 2016. And that's going to change the whole dynamic. That'll change the way people in New Hampshire vote, which will change the way people in Nevada vote, which will change the way people in South Carolina vote. In South Carolina, Trump is looking at this the way Biden looked at it against Bernie, which is like a firewall, southern firewall, right? So Bernie got, uh, Biden got, uh, you know, Clyburn on his side and uh, other black dignitaries and politicians in South Carolina who gave him that state. And that's what Trump is doing with Lindsey Graham, right? He's hoping Lindsey Graham is his Southern firewall, right? That Lindsey Graham, oddly enough, is his Clyburn in South Carolina. And if things go haywire in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, he can maybe do what Biden did, which is win South Carolina. The difference is very big. Let me tell you why. The thing with Bernie was, and it was a lie, was that blacks didn't like him. And that's very important. In the Democratic Party, that black vote, which they use to their advantage, even though they do nothing for black people, is uh, very big. It's not that big in the Republican Party. So it was that black, it was that African-American South Carolina voting bloc that they wanted Biden to get to show that Bernie was hated by blacks, right? It's not the same dynamic in a Republican primary. So even if Trump were to pull out South Carolina, which I I still don't think he will, but if he did, I don't think it would do what it did for Biden, which is totally turn the tables on losing the first three primaries. It would just be one win. So he's putting a lot of faith in Lindsey Graham, and I think that's going to backfire. Lindsey Graham will do him more harm than good. Because Lindsey Graham is a total neocon war. He loves wars. And Trump is supposed to be the anti-war president. All of his Trumpers, his cult, is supposed to be the anti-war cult. They hate the old Republican guard. They hate Ukraine. They don't want to give money to Ukraine. They don't believe in wars. They they beat their chests about how the, their president didn't get them into any new wars and so on and so forth. So once again, you're talking about a total hypocrisy kissing up to Lindsey Graham that, of course, his cult doesn't care, Right. This cult doesn't care. They don't see that. Oh, they know Lindsey Graham's a warmonger. They usually hate him, but now they will give him a pass because he's on Trump's side. Even though Trump, if he were an honest person, and he's not, would not want the help of Lindsey Graham. He wouldn't want the endorsement of a neocon, of a typical Republican neocon, which his cult is supposedly 100% against, right? So... We see that he's desperate. Think about that. If he was in such great shape, why would he take on this neocon that all of his cult members have always hated? Because he knows that he could very well lose Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. And just like with Joe Biden, if he loses South Carolina, it is then over, done. He'll have to drop out. There'll be no more money coming in. So that's the deal. Once again, watch what they do. Watch how they act. Now, I'm getting people on Twitter who are saying, well, Mike, you keep talking about Biden, but Newsom's the nominee. And I say, no, Newsom's not the nominee. Once again, I've said this before. 
The Democrats are pushing Biden versus Trump. They believe that the only person Biden can beat is Donald Trump. So they're pushing that. And they believe, and I believe they're right, that if it's Trump, Biden will win and will have not Biden's second term. It'll be Kamala Harris's first term. And remember, unlike Biden and Trump, she could run again. So think about that for a second. Actually, think about this for a second. If you really want chills to run down your spine. If Biden were to win again, what they would do if they're smart and they are very they're not smart, but they're very shrewd politically is try to get Biden through the first two years of a second term. Right. And this will also make it look good. It won't make it look like it was rigged all along to have him win. And then, you know, Kamala is president a month later. So you try to get Biden through the first two years, try to get him to late 2020, 26, early 2027. Then. You have him resign. Kamala takes over because the way the Constitution is written is the president can serve two terms or 10 years. So they read that way. So if, if the current president resigns or is assassinated within the first two years, the person who takes over can run twice. So if that were to happen, if Kamala Harris became president before January 20, 2027, she can serve the last two years of Biden's term. And she can run two times. She could be president for a decade. So I want people to understand that. Most Americans don't know the way this works. Believe me, believe me, the Democrats want exactly that to play out. Trump's a nominee. Biden beats him. Biden serves two years. Then Kamala Harris can serve 10. So I want people to try to comprehend what this country would be like with six years of Biden and 10 years of Kamala. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. People are like, oh, but there's a lot that has to happen. But I'm just telling you, this is the blueprint the Democrats want to play out. 16 years of Biden-Harris. Think about what the Supreme Court would look like. Think about what our Constitution would look like. Think about what this country would look like. Look at how they were able to shred the Constitution to pieces. In two years. Imagine what they can do in 16 years. So that's exactly what the Democrats want. So no, the nominee is not. People think Biden's definitely not the nominee. That's not the case. That's the scenario the Democrats want to play out. Now, they will try to control it as much as possible. But if Ron DeSantis picks up steam and becomes the nominee... Then Biden's gone because they know he's got no chance against Ron DeSantis. The only person who would have a chance, who would have a much better chance than Joe Biden because of his age and his looks and everything else that comes with that in this country is Gavin Newsom. So that's the play. If it's going to be Trump, it'll stay Biden. If it's going to be DeSantis, then then we'll have Newsom. But the Democrats, that's like um, their backup plan. Newsom is their backup plan. That's why he's been so visible. That's why he's been going to red states. He needs to have a a, a national profile in case he's needed. He's on the bench. He's in the bullpen. If you're into baseball or sports, right? He's on the bench. He's in the bullpen. And he's ready if they need him, if they have to take out Biden. But they're only going to take out Biden if it looks like DeSantis is going to be the nominee. If they get their wish... And it's Trump, 
It'll be Trump-Biden. Biden wins, serves two years. Up to two years, Kamala comes in and can serve 10. That's the way it goes. People, there's a long game here. And I, I can appeal to Republican voters and independent voters as much as possible. But they need to understand that if Trump's the nominee, we're going to have President Kamala Harris. Now, you can talk all you want about how, oh, but after two years of her, she'll lose because she's horrible. <laughs> you want to put your money on that? You want to put your money on a black woman, okay, having served only two years. And that's part of the Democrats' plan, not just because she can serve 10 if it's two years, but also because then they can say, well, she's only been president for six months. Once the election starts, it'll be like are you six months, a year. Got to give her another shot. Okay, let's give her another shot. And there you go. And there it goes rolling on from there. A black woman. Okay. Remember how easily the black men won. So, Republican voters need to understand that truly is. I usually don't like talking like this, but I'm going to talk like this because I believe it's true. A vote for Donald Trump in the primary is a vote for Kamala Harris for president because she will be president. Biden wins again and Kamala Harris is president. Without a doubt. I think even in two years, she can do incredible damage. Regardless if she were to win re-election. But this is a very dangerous, 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 dangerous territory we're getting in. We are. Yes, if it's DeSantis the nominee, they're going to put up Newsom. And we got a fight. I think DeSantis would destroy Biden, but that's why they won't allow Biden to run against him. But I think DeSantis will also de defeat Newsom. But of course, I want to be fair about this. This is the country we live in, right, where people perceive a certain look to be good looking, right? Uh, people talk to be, you know, look, look at look at the uh, headway. And once again, the polls are, are not accurate. Vivek Ramaswamy is not second. He's not second. He's not. There's no world where Vivek Ramaswamy is ahead of Ron DeSantis. But he is doing better than he should be doing because he's such a good he's young. And he's a good talker, right? He's a fast talker. Well, Gavin Newsom has some of the same ability, like Vivek Ramaswamy has. He's young. Some people perceive him to be good looking. A lot of women do. And he's a fast, smooth talker. He lies about everything. He gaslights. He's governor gaslighter. He'd be the gaslighter in chief. He doesn't tell the truth about anything. He twists everything around. Actually, I agree. I, I should not be too tough on Vivek, because I agree with everything he says. I just don't believe it. Do you understand what I say when I say I agree with everything someone says? I just don't believe what they're saying. In other words, I don't believe they're going to follow through. They'd have the ability or the desire to really follow through on any of the good things they say. But I do agree with what he says. I don't agree. He does not. He's not lying about any issues. I just don't think he has the ability the wherewithal to carry any of it through what Ron DeSantis does. But look at how that young, good-looking, smooth talker, fast talker is gaining more momentum than he should. And the same will happen with Gavin Newsom. 
So always beware of these people in this country. This is not a country with a lot of smart people. It's just not. Let's be honest. We're smart. You and I, we're smart. But a lot of people in this country are not very smart. And so they look at looks and the way someone talks. I know some smart people who were fooled by Newsom. I know some smart people who were fooled by uh, Vivek. Young, perceived as good-looking, smooth talker, fast talker, like a car salesman. It can get you pretty far in politics here. Here's someone who's uh, good-looking, talker, not incredibly young, but also not not old either. Hey, Daniel, how are you? That's that's the best intro I could give you. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say? I'll I'll take it. (laughs) It wasn't that bad, was it? (laughs) Yeah, a little. uh, Okay, yeah, I'm blushing right now. So, so, so the, the, the Twitter thing, you know, how come how come there's still a bird on the app? On the app, but on the on my laptop is an X. Yeah. So why 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 hasn't the, the bird been replaced on the app? It takes a little bit longer sometimes. I guess the engineers have to fix the app. Hmm. Well, Things always seem to hit the desktop version first. Why I don't know, but they do. Yeah, I had an interesting experience yesterday where um, I was blocked. My account was blocked for about 30 seconds. What? Yeah, I, I, I had a, a, a um, published a blank tweet, nothing in it whatsoever by mistake. And that, that uh, pop-up that comes up that says um, people usually don't talk like that or whatever they say on there um, came up. And then it immediately said I'm banned. And then 30 seconds, and I wasn't allowed to respond to any tweets. And then 30 seconds later, everything was fine. How weird. Yeah. So you po- you posted a blank tweet by mistake? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it thought you were a bot or something. Yes. Yeah, something, it triggered something really weird happening. I I, um, I, I dare try it again. Because <laughs> no, no, I won't do it either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but th- I've never was, done a was... blank tweet. I've done a tweet sometimes that says test to test to make sure it's going through. But that's yeah. it. I've never done a blank one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was just out for, for my usual walk um, in, in, in the city here, walked to uh, North Beach. Um, we, we had uh, uh, um, an uptick in um, tourist traffic this last um, weekend, mm-hmm. um, which we noticed like on uh, Friday and Saturday, but it turns out that that was probably almost entirely due to the uh, marathon, which I didn't even know was occurring this past weekend. And it's funny, we saw, the, we saw the, of course, we're like, duh, we saw the marathon runners on top of the Salesforce tower. I'm like, why are they putting marathon runners on <laughs> Well, it's because we have the marathon. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We have people like London Breed and our, our crazy board of super kind of board of supervisors um, in charge, um, and, and they keep talking and talking about you know San Francisco's on the man, tourism is on the comeback. How come none of us knew that there was a marathon that was going on last weekend until the day before it actually happened? Yeah, I, I didn't and know that is how screwed up this this city is. I think I knew we had one, but I didn't. I didn't know it was a big one. I mean, in general, I knew we had one. I didn't know it was this weekend, this past weekend. Yeah, that's but, what I'm saying. Yeah. Nobody seems to have, have known. Nobody seems to have known. I mean, that. when the New York Marathon goes, people in the city know, right? 
Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I went to, to, to sleep a Saturday night thinking, oh, there's a marathon tomorrow? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't advertised very well. But people came here. They come here to run in it or to watch it. I couldn't tell. And I think most people probably came to 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 run in it and maybe some tag alongs with them that um, just, you know, they came to party. God, do you have to run uphill in this marathon? Do you know anything about it? No, no, I don't. And nobody seems to know anything about it. That is how un, um, unpromoted it was. Can you believe that? I mean, here's a chance to promote an event. The mayor says nothing about it. The board of supervisors is about it. Oh, now, now that I think about it, we know the reason why they didn't say anything about it. Because remember, being fit is racist. <laughs> yes, I guess we welcomed all those Republicans to our Democrat city. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh. yeah. That's that. That now that I think about it, that has to be the reason. Well, I guess who knows? The reason is she's out partying. You see those videos of her feeling the spirit again, dancing and having fun in the nightclubs as her city fucking burns. They don't care. They don't care about promoting tourism here. They don't care about promoting their city. All they care about is the checks that she brings in three hundred fifty thousand. I say that I get I get heartburn whenever I say her salary. I really I get heartburn. Two hundred fifty thousand yeah, dollars, and she's out there partying. She doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it's 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 really hard to imagine that that failure could even be in office at this point, let alone pulling down that kind of cash. And, and, and she's probably you know as as corrupt as the board of supervisors are. Um, I can't uh, rule out the fact that the mayor's office is corrupt as well. So she's probably well, you know the problem down. of having a salary like that. I don't want to just put this on London Breed. The problem with having the salary like that is you can get people who want the job just to make money. Why should a mayor of a city make that kind of money? If you really want to be the mayor of a city, you should really want to do public service, right? Pay 60000 70000 Let people live, have a living wage, right? But when you put something like three fifty k, a lot of people are like, oh, shit. Hardly anyone ever votes in mayoral elections anyway, even in New York City. Come on. In New York City, I think in the last couple of mayoral elections, the it was like 20%, 22% of the people voted. So think about that. You're in a city like San Francisco, which is now probably about half million, 600,000 people. You get about 20 to 25% voter turnout. You don't need many votes to get that nice, cushy job. So people need to go into it to do, because they want to improve their city and actually work, not to just collect a big paycheck while everyone else is out on the streets. That's the problem with having a salary like that for mayor. It, yeah, should, not yeah. be, it should not be legal. There should be a cap on the salary for, for any, any mayor, any, any city. Yeah, yeah, you have people on the, the board of supervisors and activists in San Francisco that want to put caps on rent, and, and nobody's talking about the cap on the world's worst mayor. Oh, there should be, absolutely be a cap. And like I said, if they want to make it, I think this is fair, the median income in the city. You, the mayor, I don't think anything is wrong or unfair with saying the mayor's salary should be the median income for people who are working in their city. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that at all. She's just simply not worth even that. So that would be a stretch for well, me. We can always argue I, about I, that. But in yeah, general, 
Yeah, that I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. In general, um, but I'm out walking uh, this evening. Um, got back about a half an hour ago. Walked through North Beach, and it is dead, dead, dead. The only reason we saw an uptick this last weekend was because of the unpromoted marathon. Um, but this city, I just have to, I, I have to wonder if if, it, if it's possible for this thing to become something akin to a ghost town. Um, it, um, it, it would be the I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine because it's in such a beautiful spot geographically, but so many people are leaving and so many of us want to leave. And it's like I've said a, you know, a bunch of times, if it wasn't for my business, I would be gone. I'd be gone out of the entire Bay Area. This whole place is just a dysphoric, dysphoric um, environment to live in. Um, I simply cannot tolerate it anymore. And I grew up in the Bay Area. This is what I this is what I called home. And when I returned to the Bay Area, it felt like coming home. This place is so foreign to me right now. It is outer limits. It's it's beyond outer limits. It's it's just um, it's just, just crazy town. It is just crazy town, and they seem to be doing nothing with policy, um, nothing with economics. That is anything but simply trolling the right. And they don't care how much pain it caused people, as long as they control the, as like they can, they can troll the right. right. I don't want to say control. They can troll. They love trolling at any cost. Yeah, that's it. That's all they. That's all they want to do. That's the way you win elections when you have ignorant voters. You troll the people they hate. Right. You basically, you do it like Rachel Maddow does. Right. I and mean, that's all you have to do. I mean, you could actually run like as a uh, talk show candidate, just troll the other party. I'm not saying it doesn't work in some very red place. This is the problem, as I've said before, with really deep blue areas and really deep red areas, that the politicians don't really have to tell the truth or work for their votes. Just troll the other party. That's all you have to do. And that's what they do here extraordinarily well. They don't govern well. The The governing bodies here is terrible. The city is poorly run on every level, top to bottom. But what they do really well, what London Breed does well, what Gavin Newsom does extraordinarily well, is troll the other party. Did you see what uh, our um, illustrious government did to uh, uh, the unveiling of the ex, um, or the dismantling of the Twitter um, sign and, and the raising of the X sign over at Twitter today? No, I had just seen, as I mentioned earlier, that some cops thought it was they were vandalizing the Twitter sign. The cops didn't realize what they were doing. No, I don't think that's the case. I think uh, I think the board of supervisors or, or breed um, sick them on them. You um, know what? To... You're gonna. I swear. I swear. My hand to God. My hand to God, Daniel. Before I came on the show, I was thinking that. I was like, Do you think there's a possibility that they had the cops go there on purpose? Oh yeah. To make a big show of it. Definitely. Because because when I looked at when I looked at a, I looked at a quick shot of them taking the sign down. And it was obviously, I mean, cops aren't stupid. It was obviously a, a professional crew, right? I mean, they had, and they had a work order. They had, the, they had the hats, they had everything. I mean, cops looking at it would say, oh, they're, they're doing construction work. It's obvious. So you're right. You know what? You might have a point. It you might have been so. more trolling. It might have been more trolling. Yeah. yeah, were they stopping at every construction site in, in, in the city and asking people if they had a permit? No, they weren't. They they just did it to Elon. It was just, it was just total 
yet. It's not. It was nothing but politics. I mean, this this is what they have the police doing. They can barely get the police coming come out to a stabbing in this in this. Series. I know. I mean, I, and, I, I I mean that's something you do when there's no crime. You have you yeah. have extra time on your hands, right? Have some fun. But, yeah, get some uh, as far as I, some as cats as I know, out of the tree. We have a crime problem here, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Next, next thing we know, they're they're going to be pulling cats out of the tree, if you know, for us, you know, because because this city is just so, so under control. Well, look, it's what it is, and it cannot be helped. It cannot be saved. I, I'd say anyone, even the people, I, I I think there might be people out there running for mayor who actually want to save the city, right? And I say, why bother? It's, it's it just can't be saved. It can't well, be saved. It's, it's not going to be saved with this county board board of supervisors. That's, that's certainly not get you be um, certain. That's that's a surety. Um, we, we 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 simply the city cannot be saved. When I was re- with, returning from Orange County last week, I was sitting next to a guy on the plane, and we were talking about how how and he was a tech guy, and he was talking about how San Francisco has fallen apart, and. Uh, and then we had discussed the idea of will it ever be Detroit? And I think we agreed that the only thing that has saved this city from being Detroit is probably the location, right? It's probably yes. geography. It's probably weather. Detroit has really shitty weather, you know, hot summers, cold winters, snowy winters. So it's probably just the ge- it's, it's probably just dumb luck that yeah. has stopped San 100%. Francisco from becoming Detroit, right? Yeah, yeah, it's 100%. It's the only thing that, that can possibly save San Francisco at this point because we have a city government and a county government that is simply will never admit that they did this to our city, that they did this through their COVID hysteria. They did this through defunding police. They did it through a weak DA that just let crime run rampant it being this is 100% their fault and until they admit that to their mistakes so that we can see that they are capable of taking a different route a different path they're not it, nothing's going to happen because they are going to stay on the same path they're too married to their ideology they're just not going to do a 180 and turn about and say Hey, you know this experiment of ours. They won't even admit it's an experiment. Um, it just went awry, and and we've got a course correct. They are simply not going to do that. These people are just ideologues that are in it way too deep. So it's not going. So so whatever London Breed. How much time is left in London Breed's term? How much time is left in the Board of Supervisors' terms? That is how long this is going to continue downhill. If it if the city can be saved after that point, we will see. But it is going to continue downhill until they are out of office. Daniel, London Breed's term was supposed to end this November. Supposed to, yeah. It now ends next November. So wait a minute. Yeah, because in I know. The Can you election, fucking believe that? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. In the last election, the people of this city said, let's give her a free year. OK, yeah. what do you do with those people, Daniel? What do we what, what do we do with them? Well, with those people voting. How do you save the city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're the only people that's left. That is why this we're going to. That's do what I mean. Here. You give a mayor of all the mayors who not should be given a free year, a fifth year of 350K. It's London breed. And these fucking moron liberals do it. So yeah. how are those people? How, how do we save the city with those people voting? Exactly. And as long as they are in office and we know we, we know what that's going to be at, at a minimum. 
this doom loop is going to continue. So my point is this doom loop continues until the board of supervisors is out of office, this present board, or until Breed is out of office. But is that going to happen? Well, we don't know at this point. We don't know how much people are going to put up with. I mean, they too, the voters are, they too are married to their ideologies. And those who were anywhere to the, let's say, close to the center of political ideology in this city have left it. And so we're we, we increasingly, the city is more and more woke and woke got us into this problem. And so it is, it, I just don't see, I don't see how the doom loop stops because, Look, because of the political angle on it. I do not see how the doom loop ends. And look, people like myself and, and you, and we're in that group of people who are like willing and probably ready to leave. Right. But the people, I would, who, like I said, I would have left, I would have left over a year ago if it right. wasn't for the business. Right. I have certain reasons too, but there are some people who, for one reason or another, maybe they've been here their whole lives. They don't want to leave or they can't leave. And it's tough for those people to say their city's done. If you're like, if you know you're going to spend the rest of your life somewhere, you don't want to think it's done, right? You don't want to believe that. Of course but, you don't. It's, it's, right, in some so ways, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, you know, if you grew up here, maybe with a... Maybe as a kid, or maybe the, you know, in a couple um, you know, generations of family growing up here, you know, that would be incredibly hard to leave. I mean, that would be such a part of you, such a part of your family's tradition, such a part of you know the way you see the world. That would be incredibly tough. Um, I, I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, I'm, I was the first generation to grow up in the Bay Area of my family. Um, I can leave it. Hmm. Well, I can leave it too. I can leave it too. A lot of people are in that category, but I understand why the people um, who don't want to leave th- believe it can be saved. At least they have to trick themselves into believing. It can- they, have to be- they have to have that hope, right? They have to see that light at the end of the tunnel in order to continue to be semi-happy, right? And it may be possible that it's saved. My, the, the point that I was simply trying to make is, is we know the minimum time, and the minimum time is likely going to be um, a, a, a very, uh, um, I should say this, it, it, the, the actual time is going to be far greater. The, the likely time that it's going to take to turn this around is going to be far greater than that minimum time. And that minimum time is when the uh, next elections occur for Board of Supervisors and, and the mayor, because it's certainly not going to turn around before that. Yeah, uh, well, the, the elections. So, I mean, how much more damage can be done? In, well, in, in a year's time, over a year's time. Look, they knew. A lot. They, oh, but they knew. A lot. There, were, there were two reasons why they wanted that. Ex- well, there were three reasons why they wanted the extension. One is obvious. It's a free year of money and a job. I get that. Yeah. But the um, second reason is that they believe that things are so bad right now, they're kind of hoping beyond hope that over the next year, and I think like you do, it's going to only get worse, but their hope is that that year is going to make it better here. And that'll help them next year. Uh, but also, the main reason why they did it is because they know that next year they'll have more voters because it's an election year, right? It's a presidential election year. And they know how people come out here <clears throat> and vote in a presidential election, election compared to an off-year election. And those people are more likely to be, of course, staunch Democrats 
who no, are going to vote. It's in this city now. Right. Who are going to vote straight Democratic ticket. Yes. And yeah, therefore, aunt, people like yeah. London Breed will be swept in on the coattails of uh, Gavin Newsom or Joe Biden. That's why they did it. And the dumb voters of this city said, "Okay, sure, we'll give you that. Yeah. Until the voter wakes up, they'd be swept in anyway. This 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 would we 80 percent registered Democrats here or something. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, they were dead to death. And so the voter, the voter has to wake up. The voter has to say, fuck this. My home price, my my home, the value of my home is decreased by 40 percent. Fuck this. I can't send my kids to school at the end of the block because there's someone using fentanyl on the way. They have to say, fuck this. I can't take my I can't take Bart to to Berkeley um, to my job because there's somebody smoking pot and doing fentanyl on the train. And there's some some someone psychotic person out of control, threatening people on the platform. I mean, at some point they're going to have to say this is freaking out of control. And and every one of them knows how it started, how it precipitated. And at some point, if we're if we our only hope is that the the highly left leaning voter in in, uh, this city and county um, just says, screw my ideology. My pocketbook is is far more important to me and and I can't stand my my um, the value of my home deteriorating anymore. I can't stand the cost of living increasing anymore. Um, That's. That's the only way the only, money is going to trump ideology at some point, whether it happens in this national election cycle or not. I think it will. I think there's a good chance it will, because between now and uh, the next November, um, the, the, there's a hell of a lot more damage that can be done with me. Commercial real estate is down by 40 percent. I don't actually know what single um, ha- uh, family home um, homes are, are down, but it's probably around at least 25 percent in, in mm-hmm. their value. Um, yeah. So it, it's going to deteriorate more and more. And, and then and, and people are going to be saying, oh, crap, this isn't a temporary slump. My home. Which, which was my retirement investment, I've just lost half of its value, you know? And, and, and at that point, they're going to be fucking angry as hell. Well, it's, that's called rock bottom, and I don't know where it is. You, you never know where rock you, – you think we've hit rock bottom, and we haven't, right? You, yeah, you, want, you think how, how much further down can you go? How much, yeah. how much lower? Yeah. 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 Always. That's that's the thing that's just, um, you know, we have had. um, There's been my my perception of humanity, (laughs) um, not just in this city, but in general, has changed so much over the last few years um, because of of the covid nonsense, especially um, and and what so-called normal people could do to each other. Um, and just because they're fearful, um, yeah, my, 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 my feelings about humanity in general and my awareness of, of, of the good or lack of good, or I should say how much good and how much evil there are in, in, uh, mankind. Um, it's been a big eye opening. So I'm, I'm, I'm. Basing this bit of optimism I had that uh, economics was going to to um, turn the voter around, I'm basing that really on maybe an outdated perception yeah. of the world. And because, like I said, my 
Cognitively, I don't think I've caught up to where I am emotionally um, um, with respect to my feelings about my um, fellow man at this point. And so the cognitive part of me is saying, yeah, I, maybe when the phone, home, home values go down, people wake up. The um, emotional part of me is saying, are you freaking kidding? This humanity? You think this humanity is going to wise up? Yeah. Well, like I said, I get I, I get bleaker and bleaker when it comes to my opinion of what's happening here in, in this city and Democrat-run cities, but in San Francisco, I don't I don't see any hope. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see people wising up, even if they kind of wise up and admit that there's a crime problem or a homeless problem or look how long it takes them just to get to that point. Come on. It's like, it really but, is, it's, but it's to get them to vote, to know, to get them to blame the right people, they won't do. Why, Daniel? Because it's a cult. That's why. Yeah, it's it's truly astonishing. I mean, we were astonished during COVID, watching people's behavior. You know, watching so-called normal people just change into monsters. Um, it, it was it was just well, eye-opening eye beyond. And look, another the cult is still around today. I was going to mention this yeah. in a second. I'll mention it while you're here. Dick Durbin today. This is Dick Durbin yesterday. Unfortunately, I tested positive for COVID-19 today. I'm disappointed to have to miss critical work on the Senate's NDAA this week in Washington. Consistent with CDC guidelines, I'll quarantine at home and follow the advice of my doctor while I work remotely. It's not a cult, Daniel. That's not a yeah, cult. Well, why, did, why didn't he test himself for any of the other 200 plus viruses that caused the common cold? Well, at Ian Miller put up a response. Dick Durbin in July of 2021 says, get vaccinated to protect your community. Dick Durbin in October of 2021 says, Biden's illegal vaccine mandate is what our country needs to put the pandemic behind us. Urges people to tune out vaccine misinformation says cases in Illinois have dropped after vaccine mandates. Fully vaccinated and boosted Dick Durbin uh, two days ago. Test positive for COVID for the third time in a year. The consistency with which they are proven wrong, and their dedication to never admitting it would be awe-inspiring if it wasn't so harmful. Ian Miller, who uh, author of two books on Amazon, was on this show. Once again, 100% right. Why? Because it's a cult. Getting tested for um, SARS-CoV-2 and only SARS-CoV-2 every time, time you have a sniffle is a holy sacrament of the branch Covidians. I mean, this this is ridiculous. We have 200 plus other viruses that could be caused this. And these people go in and they get a positive test and they think that they've got COVID. No. Well, if you if you got PCR test for the rotavirus, if you got PTR test for the rhinovirus, you got PTR test for an EBV virus, you've got PTR, PCR test for cytomegalovirus, probably half of those would show up positive too. They're testing. In 2023, they're still testing for a cold. And they're still staying away from work because of a cold, which most of them don't even have any symptoms of. That's how exactly. And then and then they turn around. Yeah. And then they turn around. They they get a positive test and they say they have COVID. No, you don't have COVID because you don't have any symptoms. No symptoms, no disease. It doesn't matter which disease we're talking about. This is the first time in history that people have been going around saying they have a disease because of a because of a single test. I mean, these people are these, like I said, it's a holy sacrament of the branch Covidians to go get a test every time you've got the sniffles and not even when you have the sniffles. 
just because you feel like it. Well, because well, you want to, because you want a virtue signal, or who knows what? What you know? Right. Uh, where's the virtue in, in doing this to, to this to this city? I have no idea. And they still want to double. And, and like like Ian says, they're admitting they're wrong. They seem to need to do this stuff to continue to double and, and triple down instead of admitting they're wrong. It's 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 quite stunning. It really is. It's quite stunning, and it really proves that these people deserve to be nowhere near the power center of this country. Not no, not close. Not within, not within a hundred football fields of the power center of this country. And yet, there they are. There they are. Indeed. So that's a good point to uh, for me to yeah, sign Daniel, off. That's, that's, and that's uh, have a good point. night. I appreciate the call. All right. Okay. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, Biden. Uh, Biden in the respect of impeachment. So. There's more coming out about about his uh, corruption and his son and his involvement in his son's corruption and more and more evidence of corruption. And to the point where now <clears throat> they're the, the Republicans, uh, McCarthy, are considering uh, starting uh, impeachment inquiries. And I have a lot of people who don't like Biden at all. Who simply say that it's a, a stupid game because we could never get him convicted because we don't have 67 Republican senators. Now, yes, I understand that thinking. I do. I, I get it. But if you were to use that, that line of thinking, that would mean that we can never, ever in the history of this country uh, impeach a president. Because I'll tell you now, if I have to tell you this, no party will ever have 67 senators again. It's never going to happen, okay? It should happen. The Democrats should have about maybe two if they're lucky. But it's, that's not the way it works, okay? This country is too split. Even to get to 55 now is very difficult. It's usually what? 52, 53, right? So that's the way it's going to be again. So by that line of thinking, that unless one party, the impeaching party, has 67, has two-thirds of the Senate – we should never impeach. I don't agree with that. If someone does something illegal, they should be impeached, whether they're convicted or not. In other words, you have to do the right thing. And if impeaching, if you, if you have enough evidence of someone's high crimes or, or misdemeanors, you have to impeach them. That's what the founding fathers said, right? So I don't agree with that line of thought. And the Democrats impeached Trump twice, knowing they could never convict him. Did it stop them? So why do the Democrats get to play hardball and the Republicans have to be like, oh, the ones who are just so kind and understand that common sense wise, you can't convict him. So why bother doing this? No, the Democrats have no problem playing hardball. Now, these impeachments are often, at least partially, if not wholly, political in nature. But if the Democrats are going to play hardball and impeach Trump twice, then the Republicans need to be willing to play hardball. And like I said, if you're going to go by that idea, then unless you can get 67 in the Senate, meaning the Republicans have 67 or the Democrats have 67, because you're never going to get, you know, this is how political this is, right? You're never going to get, no matter how corrupt their party, their president is, the cult is never going to flip. They're never going to do that. You never have a Democrat in the Senate 
you know, voting to impeach or Republican voting to impeach, if, 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 if it means a difference between conviction or not. I believe we saw Romney, you know, switch his vote, but, but knowing that they would still come, if Romney were going to be the 67th vote, he would have not voted to impeach Trump. But knowing it didn't matter politically, he could do that, right? So once again, if we're thinking that way, where you have to have 67 in the Senate one way or the other, then there'll never, ever be impeachment proceedings. A president could kill somebody. And they said, well, we're not going to get 67. So no, that's not the way it works. If you believe you have enough evidence that you can present uh, that the president committed a high crime or a misdemeanor, then you must impeach them in the House, irregardless of whether the Senate's going to do the right thing or not, whether the opposing party is going to do the right thing or not. So if the opposing party is not going to do the right thing, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the right thing. So this is the discussion I've had, argument that I've had on Twitter. If if they have the evidence, they have to impeach Biden. They have to, especially after what the Republic, the Democrats just did twice to Donald Trump. And I believe those Donald Trump impeachments were garbage, absolute garbage. They didn't convince me that he committed a high crime or a misdemeanor on either of them. So, and you know, I am no Trump defender, but there's right and there's wrong. Now, with Biden, I have to see all this. I mean, there's more and more evidence coming in that he committed a crime. It could be really bad. This could be, you know, a million times worse than anything Trump did. It could be worse than Watergate, the way things are going. But you have to present the evidence. But to say, no, we should not even go there. Move on to, you know, gas prices because we can't get a conviction in the Senate, I believe, is 100 percent wrong. Hey, Bill, what do you think about that? Are you on my side on that issue? That's evidence. Well, Mike, I'd say get them nailed, razzle, dazzle, razzle, dazzle. Look, with the Democrats and, and Trump, it was certainly a lot of razzle-dazzle. It was more razzle-dazzle than evidence. But look, presidents from time to time do illegal things. What a shock, huh? That shock you for me to say that? <laughs> <laughs> and if you got the evidence, you got to go through with it, even if you're not going to get a conviction. Just like district attorneys go through with things, prosecutions, if they believe the person should be prosecuted, even if they're going to lose in the end, you know, so which they often do. But you have to do the right thing, right? Well, I, I think you have to consider a couple of things, Mike, right? Like, Biden just assigned Elliot Abrams, right? <laughs> Four-time Republican staffer. As, what, what position did he put him in? Hold on a minute. I, I heard something today I put in the live chat. I was looking at an article. Elliot Abrams has served three Republican administrations, most recently active Trump administration, special envoy to Iran, Venezuela. Anyway, so Biden, just what position did he assign him to? Hold on a minute. I, I have to read the rest of the article. I just heard this today. So well, the point I'm trying to make is if we could look at the Biden cabinet and see who's come from the Obama cabinet, who was in the Trump, where was Anthony Blinken come from? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Anthony Blinken, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the point I'm the point I'm trying to make is it's a unit party. They just the the president's just a different brand name in my opinion, and um, that's why we don't see any real policy changes. It's a, for the most part of this, uh, you know, right left uh, 
cheek part of the same dirty ass as George Galloway says. That's kind of how I see it. You know, so basically it's, it's kind of like a, a political, uh, razzle dazzle. Um, and they like to play us to keep us occupied and tied up in that. I don't mean to discount what you're saying, but I do want to comment on something. I said, I'm wondering when. We're going to have the first trans vice president, Michael Obama. <laughs> when is she going to become? Well, you know, keep on talking about that. Michelle Obama is going to end up running for president next year. But I don't I don't think Newsom's their guy. It's not Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama is too silly. You know, it's too cute. I think I think Newsom is the is the backup plan for Biden. But I don't know. The, yeah, but, but there are there are those weird conspiracy theories, right? That she's trans. Michelle Obama. She's, she's definitely trans. There's old pictures of him with Michael Obama. I mean, yeah, Michael. She, that, would Michael. Be, that would be one of the best operations ever because she looks pretty good. I well, mean, I, I don't think she had. I could be wrong, but I don't think she had her junk changed. I think it's just makeup and, you know, whatever waxing for her face. You think Barack is married to Michael Obama? Really? Well, my, well, <laughs> I, well, I think Joan Rivers was right. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a can we talk can we talk can we talk can we talk <laughs> you know when the country's when they think the country's ready probably in the next 48 years she'll be she he will be vice president in my opinion and they'll come out they'll come out they're a trans couple you watch oh, if I we're still so. talking a decade from now i bet you we'll see it well, what, what next she say? Oh, now it's safe now it wasn't safe back then that's why i couldn't come out and now it's well, you know, it just it wasn't. Well, they, come on, they, they'd be so dying for. Did you say she lied for twenty years? I don't think <laughs> No, no, no. Things are going to get so screwed up. People won't care. They say, "Well, yeah, under the cultural conditions, we understand." The bottom line is, you're out now. We have a trans black president, vice president. Yay! You know? Yeah, but you see what I'm saying about Kamala, right? That they want her to be president for ten years, if possible, and they can work that out. If she takes Biden two years into his, his, his second term, you know, so that's, you know, that's what they want. That's what they want. Look, they yeah. know Kamala Harris could never get elected as a non-incumbent. But if they make her the incumbent, she'll have the power of the incumbency running for re-election. And that's her All only right. shot. You know, very dangerous that the Democrats, unlike the Republicans, seem to have a plan. Too many Republicans, you know, can't understand that. A vote for a vote for Donald Trump in the primary is a vote for you know is a vote for President Kamala Harris eventually. It's very it's very dangerous to think. They also believe that if Gavin Newsom were to run as the nominee, <coughs> that that eighty year old Trump can beat him. These people are deranged. They're absolutely deranged. They don't want to see the reality of the situation, and the reality of the situation is both Biden and Trump need to retire. Nobody, except for the cult members on each side, want them to be president again. To go into the street and ask most people, do you want Trump or Biden to be president again? And almost everyone will say no. They don't want them. They want them gone. But it's those strong, loud cult members uh, uh, you know, the cult of Biden and the cult of Trump that, you know, keep them propped up and don't realize the damage they're doing. She's doing extreme damage by keeping these two guys in such powerful positions. They should no longer. These, Come on, Bill, you know, most people at that age, 
Forget about having powerful positions. They can't even get a job at Walmart. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I just contend they don't really run anything. It's the cabinet, and the cabinet's a revolving door, whether it be Republican or Democrat. Well, which makes but, it even more dangerous. How about getting someone in there with some balls who's actually going to Oh, I, listen, you know, I, I want to see a huge change here. I just... Um, That's why you don't see... you don't Look, I understand the deep state is very strong. I get it. I, I, I get it. I get it. I know there are things that people run for office, run for president. When they win, they get in. And they're given the once over, right? Hey, buddy, you're only going to have so much control. Go and look at the uh, Zabruder tape. That's what will happen to you <laughs> if you try to take over too much control. I get it. But at least someone like a Kennedy or, or a DeSantis would have more balls in standing up to people like that than Trump or Biden. That's all. All right. I, I you know it's weird, Mike. I'm looking through this article on L.A. Abrams about uh, Biden nominating him. I just had a pop-up come up. Okay, Biden, Biden nominates controversial former Trump appointee to Public Diplomacy Commission. And it talks all about his past, L.A. Abrams' past. And how old he must how old is he? He's got he's been he's gotta be in his seventies. No? Elliot Abrams? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But it's weird. It it doesn't Maybe it's later in the article. It doesn't go into detail what this commission, the United States Advisory Commission on Public Diplomacy. Wait, is that word salad or what? United States Advisory. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of that is the word salad. What do they friggin' do? <laughs> it's like some of those think tanks. It's like, hi, I'm yeah. running the think tank for American democracy and freedom. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not love a think tank for American democracy and freedom? And we oh. know that think tank. Is exactly the opposite right. of their title. It's crazy. Right. Some of these think tanks, their names are just too funny. Too funny. Oh, I came upon a little deficient. Okay, the commission appraises the U.S. government activities intended to understand, inform, and influence foreign publics. Holy crap. Wait, it's still word salad. Did you, did you, did you get anything out of that? I know. <laughs> I got what nothing. The hell? Who writes that stuff? Kamala Harris? She's <laughs> a master of words. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, space is the final <laughs> frontier outer space. It's vast and open and wide. And you know, that's, that's what she talks. It's like it's a <laughs> Oh my god. It's just an opportunity yeah. for them to get milk off the public tea. I mean, let's be honest. I mean how many people yeah, they need to screw in a light bulb? I mean, come on. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. You're right. Hundred percent. Oh my God! You know, See, so, so just yeah, it's absolute insanity. There's some. I don't know if you have a little more time to talk. Let me know because I had Go some ahead. other. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I got to. We had someone in the chat recently who disappeared. So I got to re-enter. It bounced the stuff I had in and out. So um, you want to talk about something for a sec, a little bit, and then I could put some things back in the chat because I like to always have resource or i could try and talk at the same time did you ever hear robert david Steele, ex-cia uh was in the international tribunal for natural justice as the chief counsel well anyway this guy robert not not christopher Steele, not the steel dossier okay not the steel dossier different no no but let me put a couple links in this guy robert david Steele, he's ex-cia and okay hold on a minute he th there was remember we talked about sex trafficking yeah. and how uh -huh. The real issue is the elite 
Mm-hmm. I hate to use that word for them, but you know, the elite pedophile rings. You sure. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We're, like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Hang on. This is the activist post, and he's there's a uh, there's a inserted. I'm sorry, embedded video of him. The International Tribunal for Natural Justice. You know, you have case law, common law, and natural law. So natural law is what a God given inherent you know rights. So they had a tribunal, and he was heading that as senior counsel, looking into where all these kids are going, all the missing kids. You know, what's with the elite, right. elite pedophile rings, the child abuse rings? And so uh, this is an explanatory part of the text. So ex-CIA officer ITNJ, the chief counsel about the elite child trafficking rings, Robert David Steele is a former, listen to this guy, former Marine CIA case officer and the co-founder of the U.S. Marine Corps Intelligence Activity. Um, His mission has been to spread the use of open source intelligence, and he's written a number of handbooks uh, of open source intelligence for NATO, the DIA, which I don't know what that stands for. I'd have to look it up. And the U.S. US Special Operations Forces. So this guy's, he's yoked in, right? Heavy duty. Sounds like and yeah. guess what happened? He also out of the whole COVID fraud thing, you know, and yeah. 2021 at 69 years old after, as he's exposing these elite pedophile rings of Epstein, the whole network and, and all this stuff, suddenly he dies of COVID. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think that took him out. I don't wow. think it did. You know, yeah. COVID was a great excuse for take, to take people out. Huh? We yeah. can take as many people as we want. We'll say they died of COVID. I can imagine. That was a, what a boondoggle that was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's COVID. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Poor guy. I felt it's like, yeah. it's like a mafia movie, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. he's just gone. You know, what can you do? What happened? <laughs> yeah, and this, you know, how the, the movie talks about adrenochrome, the ritual sacrifice of children. That's where, you know, people are like, oh, this is all QAnon craziness and everything. But no, not according to uh, the tribunal. You know, don't forget that's an ancient practice that's depicted in, you know, uh, all kinds of ancient writings and what do you call the carvings? And you know, it's not like that. You know, child sacrifice, unfortunately, is an ancient satanic ritual practice. So, anyway, so that's what he was diving deep into, and. Um, Oh, it's a heavy-duty subject, but what the point being is, you know, he said pedophilia is both the glue and the Achilles heel of the U.S. deep state. That's was his quote. Can you imagine? Pedophilia is both the glue and the Achilles heel of the U.S. deep state. Well, they say that Epstein was Mossad, and Mossad's tightly tied in with CIA. They don't do anything they don't know about. Right. You know right. what I mean? So, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, if you have a chance to, in the next couple of days, to check it out, listen to the video, we can I talk will. about it I'm, more. I'll, I'll look at the links that you put in Yeah. Sure. Now, I want to mention one other thing real quick. Go ahead. Uh, because um, there's another link just below it I put, and I'm opening up now. The, the Special Steel Dossiers, um, Letters to POTUS, President of you know the United States, obviously. On domestic false flags. Remember we were talking about Sandy Hook? 
Absolutely. Yeah. He cites the Boston bombing. Listen to this. This is a barn burner, right? Which is maybe another reason why they took him out. I don't know. Well, first, he's got other links in here for 53 admitted false flags, how it's international. He cites 9-11 as one of the first big U.S. Uh, it's not saying, see, a false flag is going back to the pirate days is what the pirate ships would fly, false sure. flags right. so they mm -hmm. get closer. That's and there's actual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where it comes from, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what he's saying, you know, there's different forms of false flags. There's drills. There's actual hybrid things where it's a combination of, of multiple people doing something, but some one person takes a fall as a patsy and where people are killed, you know, and then there's, so there's different forms of false flags with get thumbnail version without going into depth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, I'll quickly read this. I consider Sandy Hook 2012 and the Boston bombing 2013 to have been the very first domestic modern false flags, both sponsored by FEMA. Remember what Wolfgang Halbig was saying? The investigator there? Which was test driven both test driving both the use of crisis actors and new national security warrants that terrorized local government employees into complicity. Because people were saying, well, how do they get all those local people to comply? I thought it was NDAAs, you know, um, uh, you know uh, what do you call non-disclosure agreements. I thought that's what it was. And then money, right. you know, buy right. people out, give them NDAAs. And that may be part of it, too. But he's talking about terrorizing the local government employees with this. And silence after the fact or face the prospects of going to jail, being right. sent to an insane asylum. They've done both of that to me, exposing the Catholic Church. Remember I told you they put me in a psych ward, they arrested me four times, exposing the Catholic Church, even though Letitia James thanked me eventually for assisting in her investigation. Right. So I was hot on the tail here. They didn't like that. And then the last thing they do, or even killed, quote-unquote, suicided, right? Which way, I think, what happened to him. I don't think anyone dies of COVID unless you have many, well, many comorbidities. Yeah, you know? I, I, I want to just move on here for a second because something just popped up, and I wanted to talk to you about this yeah. before I forget. What What do you know about this uh, former, uh, we're talking about the Obamas, one of their yeah. employees just died paddle boarding? Yeah, I know. How freaking freaky is that? What is that? So an employee of former President Barack Obama died mm -hmm. while paddle boarding near the family's Martha Vineyard residence, state police said. Tafari Campbell, who was 45, went missing around 7.45 p.m. Sunday on Edgartown Great Pond, Massachusetts State Police said. Mm -hmm. his body, they discovered his body in about 8 feet of water, around 100 feet from the shore just before 10 a.m. The former president's wife, Michelle Obama, said Campbell was a beloved part of our family. So evidently this guy was their chef in the White House. Right. He, stayed, he stayed on as their personal chef, and he was a friend, and he was evidently paddleboarding near their home and he died kind of weird it's a weird story well i didn't read much about it were the rough seas i don't think so i don't see anything yeah there's no major seas. storm off the martha vineyard coast that i was aware of we usually don't people don't go paddle boarding in the middle if of there the are storm. you know it's, it doesn't make any sense you know this sounds like bro i think he stumbled on something that was too hot that he wasn't able to keep quiet about maybe that's what some people are saying that's it's very such NBC News is not saying such a thing. Right. But some people are saying that this, this is just a weird, weird story. Yeah, did he not was, know he was there? Did he know? Not only that, I, did he go out without a life jacket? I mean, I mean, exactly. you know, was there no life jacket? That's another question. You're right. We're not hearing about that. It's highly I mean, unlikely. I, I'm not a big. Is paddle boarding known to be dangerous? 
Well, I think it depends on the seas, but like you said, you're not going to go out in rough seas. You're not going to risk that unless a shark, you had a shark attack, which they're not talking about, or it looks or like killer whale. Drowned, right? That's what it looks like. I I briefly saw that, but in the headline, kind of a medical emergency. I don't know. Maybe the, he had COVID shot and he had a heart attack and he drowned. Well, could be, could, could have had a stroke or something. Who knows? But I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's an odd, it's, a, it's just a weird story. Very weird. Yeah, well, certainly, um, you know, I, I, when you have a chance, if you, I'm not, this article is very lengthy on all the domestic and foreign false flags. And I think something of interest we may discuss more in the future. I know you want to talk about other things. Yeah, so. it's, not a, it's not a funny story, but someone did say maybe he got <laughs> eaten by a cocaine shark. Have you seen those cocaine sharks? Cocaine shark, <laughs> I too. I, read, I heard it, but what's that all about? I, I saw that headline. What's that well, all about? There's a sequel to the cocaine bear. Evidently, there was cocaine that was in the ocean. Right. That, uh, that you know, the what do you call it? The, uh, uh, the drug runners had yeah. left in the ocean, and and the uh, sharks have been eating the bricks of cocaine. Really. And so, but but there's still question whether a shark eating a brick of cocaine is going to cause any issues. I don't know. Who knows? They're digestive. They eat, they eat everything. They eat fucking cars, don't they? Right, right, they right. license plates. I remember the movie Jaws. Remember they cut the shark open and the big license plate comes out and like a uh, bicycle, like a tire comes out. And I mean, with their digestive systems, you would think it wasn't going to do any anything really damaging. Uh-huh. You think it makes them high? I don't think it can make them high. No. <laughs> <laughs> Are they seeing some weird behavior? Some sharks doing some crazy shit? Like, oh, you know, yeah. What is that? What is weird shark behavior? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Jumping out of the water and doing looking, cartwheels. Looking I mean. for looking for a party. Looking, yeah. looking for a good time. I have no. I have no don't you see like think about this with all the serious shit going on in the world right we gotta have a distraction so they're gonna tell us about cocaine sharks like i mean how do they even know that the shark i don't know, did they catch one and dissect it is there any lead in the story because i have uh, beneath the lead i mean anything i haven't read it no, yet there's nothing else oh but someone did link a story uh ex-white house chef died so evidently there was a uh, a chef of bill clinton who in 2015 also died by no. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> so, that's eerie. Yeah. Democrat administration, both. Yeah. Wow. Maybe that's the way they take care of people. This has maybe this has to do with Epstein and Pedophile Island. They want to keep it quiet. Maybe there's a, you know. I don't know. That's that's very bizarre though. That's the that's the one of the most odd stories I've seen. We'll have to see if anything more comes out about this. You know, but. Uh, you know, was Hillary involved? Who knows? <laughs> you know, never, never know. But uh, anything else, Bill, that you want to get out there? No, no, no. I'd like to, of course, uh, look forward to talking more about these two articles I put in the chat. And yeah, I'll read, more, in the future. I'll read more about it. So it's, I think it needs to be addressed for sure because the real quick, well, let me say, you know, we got to keep in mind the whole push from wherever they are opposing counsel and the standard, they made it very clear, not only about shutting down Alex Jones, but all social media. They're like as if the mainstream media is the only truth. Everything else is misinformation, disinformation. Don't watch social media like as if we're all going to be somehow brainwashed by social media, you know. But that's all coming from the State Department because the Smith Modernization Act that Obama signed in 2012 amends the Smith Act 
that prevents domestic propaganda, mm-hmm. right? So yes. the State Department can actually pay all forms of media, whether it be movies and radio, whatever, to domestic, uh, if it fits whatever their agenda is, um, which consider, of course, we talked about gun rights, right? Free mm-hmm. speech. But also they've taken away, they're conditioning people to take away their civil rights to due process, Mike. You know, when you go to summary default judgment, like they did in the AJ case based on non-specified financials, Mike, those aren't even relevant to you get after you get a decision by a jury and it comes time to what, how is it going to be paid? Sometimes it goes into mediation, but most often into bankruptcy court. Right. So, so what I'm trying to say real quick is that say you sued me, right? For damage defamation. The onus is on you to prove damage and defamation, i.e. Uh, emotional duress, uh, reputational loss yeah, and not, duress. It's not, it's not the same uh, bar that's set in a criminal court, but you have a, you know, you know but there's still a bar set. Right, we have to. right but my, my point being is, you know, any adverse uh, facts are supposed to be hashed out before a jury. The jury's a fact finder, not the judge, right, just to cover it real quick. So what happens here is, Okay, in the AJ case, for example, uh, opposing counsel subpoenaed a whole bunch of financials, which AJ say, said that he supplied, okay? They object saying there were certain financials that they did not receive, yada, yada. The judge says, okay, based on the fact that you didn't comply with subpoena, non-specified financials, according to attorney uh, Robert Barnes, okay, uh, who's a constitutional attorney, graduated from Yale, Consulting Alice Stone's team, non-specified. What? It's going to go to then default summary judgment. What that is, Mike, is a civil rights death penalty clause, meaning if you sued me and you got that summary default judgment, I can't defend myself. Right. I can't then present adverse evidence. I can't even make a legal argument against you. And then the jury, all the jury decides on is quantum. And the way the judge says, Bill's liable. The jury, the, the, your counsel gets to smear me up and down, whatever they want. And the jury goes, Oh, horrible. We're going to award Mike X amount of money. Now, guess what? Then you got to collect from me. That's when my financials are only relevant. They're not right. relevant when you're proving damage and defamation. Do you sure. understand what Absolutely. I'm saying? Yes. Yes. I'll read those things. We'll talk more about this, Bill. Okay, Mike. But thanks. I appreciate the call, as always. Oh, you're welcome. As always. Yes. Exactly. Um, okay, so tomorrow we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about the Biden thing and the possible impeachments. Um, I'll have more to talk about as far as, you know, the uh, the Republican primary goes. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for the debate because then we'll have actually more stuff to talk about. Right now, it's just, you know, everyone's doing their interviews Everyone has their favorite polls. It's like, I think the I think the race really begins once the debates start, right? Once the debates start, and they can address each other and answer real questions, and millions of people are watching. That's when people, I think, begin to get engaged. That's why you see such shifts in in the electorate in polls once the debates get going. So. We'll talk more about that. I want to remind everyone: the name of the show is "In Let's Be Heard," and it airs weeknights. 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. So I'll be right back here with you tomorrow night. But until then, this is Micah Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. 
use it.